Welcome to episode 35 of African and American with your girl, Six the Goddess. And keep in mind, I'm a goddess and I'm sensitive about my shift. Peace and love, family. Hope you're well. I'm doing amazing. Let's just jump right into this week's topic. The first top or topics. Um, the first topic that we're going to discuss is, drumroll please, the topic of voting. All right. Now, before we go in on this, I just want to say that I'm very sad at how this topic has um, divided us. I am extremely sad at how this topic has um, brought extreme emotional triggers out of so many of us. Um. Now let's just let's just speak in general because you know we have listeners all over the world and everybody's uh, area where they reside and where they live is different. So um, we're going to speak uh, pretty generally right now. Now, I, when I see people, um, you know, speaking about voting online, the first thing is to understand marketing because marketing campaigning it's the same thing okay um marketing is something that the person with the service should always pay you to do for them free marketing is never wise especially to free market for someone that does not know you and does not care about you it's just not smart because that's free money that you're giving away Okay, marketing, paying for marketing is how the whole world turns around. That is how all media outlets stay afloat. You do realize that, that all these companies making money, they make money because they are able to give people a platform to market their business. That's how the money is made. How many viewers you have, how many eyes are on your station, your screen, However, whoever has the most eyes on their outlet gets paid the most money for people to market, to advertise on their channels, okay? So um, that tells us this is a very important component of economics and just of um, the media and systems in general. So I, I, I want to start out by saying this. I'm not condemning our brothers and sisters that are pro-voting. Um, I would never do that. However, I am expressing a disappointment. I am expressing a lack of perspective um, that maybe our people are just not looking at things from. And I don't I don't expect you to come to me and say, oh, six the goddess, you were right. I don't expect that. Um, I like I just plant seeds. So, you know, we're just going to plant the seed and we're just going to have a discussion. What you do with the information is on you. But what I'm about to say will make sense to you. If you want to go vote, I, I see so many black people saying vote or die. If you don't vote, I don't like you. If you don't vote, I'm not talking to you anymore. If you don't vote, you're part of the problem. If you don't vote, then you can't be sad about the oppression of your people any longer. Let's just take a step back. And my only question is, why do you have to take it to that extreme? You see what I'm saying? My thing is this. If you want to vote locally, if there are certain amendments 
or certain uh, tax breaks or anything of that nature that may benefit you and your business or your property, then by all means, sweetie, walk in there, cast your ballot and then go home. But why are you promoting voting as the start or the panacea to what is going to cure our issues as a people? You're falsely advertising. You all are getting all over TV and social media and giving free marketing, free campaigning, free promotion for these people that you never met. And these are the same black people that will not promote black businesses within their own communities. I've seen black people posting and marketing for Andrew Gillum in Florida and Stacey Abrams in Georgia, but they have people that are their own blood that they ain't posted their business. They ain't stepped foot in their business. They ain't patronized their business. That is sick. Okay, it's sick. If you want to vote, Go cast your little raggedy vote. Get your tax break. Get your amendment. Whatever it is that you want. Okay? Um, and leave it at that. Stop making this more than what it is. Y'all are doing the most with the voting. Okay? The most economically empowered groups of people in this country do not vote. Look at the Amish. Do you see the Amish people campaigning for free for these politicians that they don't know? Do you see the Asian community out here telling their people to vote or die or vote or shut up? Or do you see them out here sweating and campaigning for these politicians? No. No, you do not. Yet, these are some of the most economically empowered groups in this country. Now, realistically, it takes billions and billions of dollars. Like, If you want a law passed, if you want an amendment passed to benefit you personally, it can cost you a billion, half a billion dollars. Um, So, I mean, collectively, we could all, you know, take our money just like we put it in a church and we could put our money together to get like one amendment passed. (laughs) Okay. Um, And this is why. Uh, generational systematic racism is an unfairness. This is why uh, speaking on white supremacy is more than just, oh, white people are not holding you back. White people have an advantage. And these are examples on how. I personally don't think that at this time, we as black people have become economically strong enough to fund our own politicians. Uh, This takes a lot of money. (laughs) Um, So I'm I'm not I'm realistically going to say that we may not be there yet. Uh, It would take a lot of sacrifice for us to even remotely get to the type of dollars we would need to have our own politicians to push our own well-being and rights uh, within the system. 
Um, but honestly, a lot of black people are way too caught up in, you know, living their own dreams. They want the big houses, they want the designer clothes, the vacations, everything to look good for the gram. I don't know if we're willing to wear sketchers the way white people are while we financially empower ourselves. I just don't know if that's where we're at yet. And that's fine because we are progressing and we're healing at our own pace. So I'm not coming down on us. I simply like to be realistic. If y'all know me, I'm extremely positive when it comes to my people, but I am also, I need us to be realistic here. Uh, it would take extreme sacrifice for us to generate the dollars to fund our own politicians. So what do you do in the meantime, in between time? I'm sorry, before we go into that, uh, like I was saying before, I see so many black people say, oh, white people are not holding you back. A white person ain't never held me back from what I want. I mean, that's thinking on a very small scale. Because like I said, white folks have been able to create an extremely high, um, you know, like, uh, uh, what's the word I want to say? Um, head start. Um, due to free labor and the generational snowball effect of wealth, um, as opposed to blacks in the diaspora here. Um, so that's where it goes. Uh, uh, white supremacy exists because um, they have a level of evil and savagery uh, that we do not possess. So we always end up losing to them because we just don't have it in us to combat that type of evil uh, until black people uh, would be able to um, match their evil. I believe they will always hold the upper hand over us. Um, and now I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. It's like in a way I'm proud at how naive sometimes we can be and sweet and forgiving. And then sometimes it disgusts me. I, I will honestly say that I... Because uh, I'm the kind of person, I ain't no killer, but don't push me. That's me. Like, I don't have a bad nature. However, I am 100% willing to meet whatever you on, I'm on. I'm 100% ready for that when it comes to protecting myself. Um, and I've had to develop that just by studying the enemy and saying, you have to learn how they fight in order to beat them up. So I've just had to be realistic with myself about the way white people work and say, okay, so they work on pure evilness. And the only way you can combat that is to be just as evil or more evil. But black people don't want that. They're like, oh, well, if you do it, it makes you just as bad as them. Yeah. And it makes you alive. Yeah. And it makes you flourishing. Um, so let's, let's be realistic here. Uh, expecting politicians to carry out our agendas when we do not pay their salaries is the equivalent of us going up to a complete stranger on the street and asking them to walk into Burger King and make our burgers. Honey, they ain't making that burger. You do not pay them. You see what I'm saying? Um, so I, I ask, I ask black people this question when, when we had the discussion about voting and you know, black people, we've been so brainwashed into defending white systems Okay, I want to first say stop conversing with white people when it comes to politics and government. Um, don't join those conversations because what happens is you begin to develop white logic and um, you begin to get delusional. Now, voting works for white people. It works for them because regardless of what they vote for, or whether they vote or do not vote, they still have a system that favors them and protects them. They still have a system that values their life over your life. It is still them 
over you, whether they vote or not. Um, If they do vote, that is how they can have a say so in their, you know, systems and local governments and laws that works for them. Okay, you can be standing behind a white person in line to vote and you can both cast a ballot, a ballot and walk out that door and that white person can still can and will still have the advantage with the police over you. So this is where the mental illness comes from. It comes from lack of self-love, lack of dignity and pride. The way that this voting situation works is... um, Let's say that somebody has uh, a huge loaf of bread with steak and cheese and grilled onions in the middle, okay? And it smells delicious and you're starving and they're over there just chowing down. It's delicious. They tell you, no, you can't have none. Don't touch my sandwich. I don't care that you're starving. You ain't getting nothing, okay? So then they, they get to the end of the sandwich and there's like a quarter size piece left and they say oh I'm so full do you want the rest of this and it's a crumb okay and then you jump out your seat and slap all your people around you and step on their heads to go rush and grab that crumb and then be like oh my god thank you so much I am so happy that you finally gave me this crumb I just can't wait to savor this and this is going to be the best crumb ever Now, me personally, I'm a woman with pride. If I, first of all, I'm not asking you for a piece of the sandwich. Second of all, if you do give me what you didn't eat and it's just a small slithering that can never really do anything for me, I have enough dignity and pride to decline the food. I'd rather die. I'm not that Negro that will eat the crumbs saying, well, it's better than nothing. I'll die with my dignity and pride. Thank you. Keep your crumb. I'm good. I will die in honor. That's me, okay? That's a lot of our brothers and sisters, but it's also not a lot of our brothers and sisters. So this is the same thing with voting. They have this huge, delicious system of white supremacy that favors them over you. It's powerful, it's strong, it's unbeatable. And then Negroes come saying, oh, we, we want our equality. And, 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 and then they say after, after years and years of fighting and beating us up and killing us, they finally say, fine, here, have your little funky vote. But it doesn't have any politicians or any amendments or laws that are going to benefit you at all. Unless you're one of those bourgeoisie class Negroes that don't made a few dollars and they don't give a damn about none of that because they just want to vote for whatever's going to keep as much money in their pockets as they can so they can continue living good like the white folks. Now, there's those Negroes. But the reality is, like I said, you vote for those tax breaks, you vote for those amendments, but when is voting away white supremacy on the ballot? Y'all will see six the goddess vote when I can walk into the, the voting booth and voting away white supremacy is on the ballot. Then I will vote. But as long as it's not on the ballot, no real change will ever come. I, I want that to be very clear. Because apparently we've made voting like our savior now. Like, oh, if we just get out there and vote. And then every election is the most important election. 
<laughs> have y'all ever have y'all ever peeped that game too? Every election that come around, they say this is the most important election of our time. This is the election that's gonna bring it all home for us and change everything for us. We need y'all all to get out there and vote, vote, vote. This is our chance, black people. And now, how do you keep the black people from uprising after they see that the voting didn't work? You know what they tell them? Oh, man, y'all were so close. You almost got it, but not enough of you got out there and voted. So then black people turn back to their own people and be like, damn it, you Negroes didn't vote. I'm mad at you. I ain't saying nothing to you. Don't talk to me. You see how that works? Every election, this is what happens. And throughout every election, white supremacy, white privilege still works, still exists. We got to have that pride. We got to have that dignity. Okay. They over there eating their big, delicious system of white supremacy. Then we fight, fight, fight for equality. Then they say, here, here you go. Here, have your stupid vote. And we eat it up. I mean, we, we run and jump at the opportunity. (laughs) <laughs> you can keep that shit. Matter of fact, if y'all wanted to oppress us and, and didn't want us to be a part of it, keep it. We don't need it. We'll do our own thing. Now, that's a people with dignity. Not, oh, massa, let us vote. I don't want to do nothing that white people are letting me do. I'm a free individual. I don't want to hear about what you let me do. You know, slavery at one point was illegal, was was legal. So when y'all sit here and put your hope in laws and amendments and voting, it's a slap in the face to your ancestors. Because let's let's tell the truth. We don't see no black people bringing up and everybody talk about, oh, our ancestors fought and died for our right to vote. Okay, well, do you have an ancestor uh, altar up? And these are the same black people that believe in swirling. These are the same black people that will say love is love. Okay, so what about all the white people that used to rape your ancestors, men and women? What about that? (laughs) I don't see you so concerned about what they died about when it comes to that. But all of a sudden, when it comes to voting, it's they died for this. They also died because they they also died for y'all to not turn around and sleep with and mate with the same people that raped them and killed their race. They also died for you to not be sleeping with the descendants of the people that tried to wipe our race out. You know, don't you dare bring up the ancestors for your convenience. Don't you dare do that. Okay. Um, And this is the way the mental illness works. So, so many black people got out to vote on, for example, Amendment 4 in Florida, where uh, felons will be granted. (laughs) I'm sorry, I can barely, I can barely say this without laughing because it, you almost feel crazy because this just seems so obvious. And when you see so many black people on the opposite side of this, it just makes you feel like, bruh, like, is this really happening? Like, I can't help it. But it's not funny. So let me stop laughing. Let me get dead serious right now. Um, so, yeah. So now all these black folks campaign for free and get out there in the communities and they say we are fighting for felons to be given the right to vote. 
So that's what we're doing to look like we're making fake progress. So the voting does nothing when it comes to white supremacy and systematic racism. It does not attack that issue at all. But we should all get out there to vote for the right for felons to vote. Did you know that black people get imprisoned at a rate of 40% higher than white people for the same crimes, especially drug-related crimes. Did you know that only 13% of black people are illicit drug users, yet we make up more than 60% of the population in jail for drugs, for those illicit drugs? So what does that tell you? That we're not being locked up for possessing the drugs for use, we're being arrested and sent up the road for possessing the drugs to sell. Uh, especially when these multi-trillion dollar pharmaceutical companies are selling drugs every day, legally. So this is the way the mental illness works. We do not want to fix the root cause of all these black men in jail. What is the root cause of black men in jail? Let's, let's examine. Let's really break this apart. Because what we're not going to do is sit and beg Massa for our rights to get back after our asses are handed to us due to mass incarceration by systematic racism. We would rather beg for his mercy after that is done as opposed to installing systems that prevent that from happening in the first place. That is mental illness. The thought of cutting Massa out the picture completely is not even a thought. We don't want to fix the mass incarceration. We just want Massa to please be nice to us and let us vote and give us jobs after he rips us apart from our families. That's what we want. Black families, that's not the focus here. The focus here is voting, guys. So let's let's just close our eyes and imagine, okay, two parent households, black man, black woman, black woman is wearing her natural hair. Six of goddess. Why is that relevant? You always talking about weave and natural hair. It's relevant because a woman's hair is her crown and glory. So the way she wears it is an extreme reflection of how she looks at herself and feels about herself. That's why I'm going to say that. Back to the story. Okay, uh, two-parent household, black man, black woman. Black woman is all natural in her glory. Okay, they're mature. They're healthy-minded. They're knowledgeable of who they are. All right, they have children. Their children grow up with their mother and father loving each other, working together. They're teaching their children financial literacy, okay? Um, they have a family support system that helps with the children. Everybody is cooperative, and everybody is showering these babies with love and support. They are guiding them along the way. Mommy is not working 40, 50, 60 hours a week to where the daycare is raising her children for her. 
to where she's shipping her children off to school, where they're eating cow's milk and cow testicles as lunch food. Food with roaches and bugs crawling all over it. Food that is the worst of the worst quality meats and dairy in the country being served to their kids. So they're feeding them real food since they're not working a lot. And so the children have healthy diets to think clearly and with sense. They're getting enough attention. They're getting enough love. They grow up and their parents have set forth strong economic platforms for them to empower themselves and their children, so on and so forth. Close your eyes and picture that. You know what happens when you have that? Those children don't grow up and commit crimes. Okay? Those children don't grow up and self-mutilate by putting themselves in situations where the system can even get their hands on them. Okay? Strong black families protect themselves. Okay, so no one can touch you because you have strong protection and support. You're unified. In the 50s and 60s, the black family was flourishing. Okay, this is when we were still segregated. The daughters had their black mothers to look up to, to love themselves. Black boys had their black fathers to look up to. There was two-parent households. Women were requiring marriage. White supremacy said, wait a second. How are we going to fill up these prisons? They're loving each other. (laughs) Okay, they're loving each other. They're supporting each other. Their children are not committing crimes. Their children are not running the streets. We can't even get our hands on these kids. Their mothers are actually raising them. What are we going to do? Let me introduce you to the dropping of cocaine into black communities. They had to literally deliver drugs to our neighborhoods in order to break the families apart. Okay, so we'll we'll stop hiring them. Okay, okay, we won't have them. Because, you know, at that time, we were um, working with ourselves. You know, usually black people had a job. You were working with all black people. The black men, you know, were on the same schedule. They all went to work at the same time, got off at the same time. Everybody had a family. Everybody had structure. Okay, let's stop hiring them. All right, let's take away their jobs. Now we'll give them these drugs to sell. We'll have them sell the drugs. To their own mothers. We'll have them sell the drugs to the women in their community. So now we'll string out the mothers. We'll make these drugs specifically react extremely negatively to melanated people specifically. We'll make it so that it'll affect them the worst. And then when we catch the father selling the drugs, we'll we'll lock them up for 10, 20 years. By then, they'll be completely institutionalized. The women will be stressed out, overworked and depressed from raising their children on their own. They'll have to get jobs. We'll give them jobs, but we won't give the men jobs. Then we'll say, oh, I see you're stressed out. You need some help? 
We'll give them welfare under one condition, no men in the household. You, do y'all see how this got destroyed? Um, so now we fast forward to present day. And here we are where it is now uncommon to have a black man and a black woman together raising their children in a healthy, loving, successful way in one household. That is now uncommon. It is now common for people to have children unmarried. It is now common for people to have children with each other before they are sure that this is the person that they want to be with for the rest of their lives. Do y'all understand how sick that is? That we don't even blink twice or bat an eyelash when somebody is pregnant and single. Because if, if you're not married, you're single. I don't care how that's your boyfriend, baby daddy, you're single if you're not married. End of story. Do y'all see, see how this is happening? So now our boys are being incarcerated like cattle. I mean, they're just ringing them on in. So now everybody wants to go cast their vote. But then those same people want to still have baby mamas, still want to believe in swirling, still want to believe in homosexuality. Everything that is destructive to the black family. I will say this once and for all. I will respect you if you are putting just as much time and energy into the restructuring of the black family as you are into voting. How many black men did I see advocating for voting, campaigning for voting? Keep that same energy when you need to direct that attention to your homeboys that are freaking weekend dads. That are sending $50, a pair of Jordans, and a two-hour visit to their kids every other weekend and calling themselves fathers. How about that? How about you keep that same energy? How you telling your brothers and sisters to vote or die? How about you tell your, your homeboys, take care of your children or die? Marry the woman you want to have your kids or die. How about that? How about that? Cash me outside. How about that? I know, I know y'all hearing this and you're pissed off at me because that's the way it works. When you hear the truth, you'll resent the one that served it to you. And I'm okay with that. Because I'm loved enough in my family, I don't need nobody else to love me. This is a conversation that we need to have. Keep that same energy. That same energy you have for voting, keep that to these women that want to shove formula down their baby's throats because they don't want their breasts to sag. Or because breastfeeding hurts. So they submit their babies to biological warfare. Keep that same energy. Keep that same energy for our sisters walking around with dead, lassie, golden retriever, blonde weaves on their head, cemented and glued, as opposed to reigning in their natural beauty. That they think they look prettier with these dead dogs on their head as opposed to the hair God gave them. Keep that same energy. A woman who is truly in love with her natural beauty is a woman untouchable. Everything else stems from that. Okay. So all you yes queen, love is love, blonde wig wearing, baby mama having church going ass Negroes. That want to do all that and say that we can do all this. But as long as we vote, we're making a difference. 
you are actually the one that is part of the problem. Because voting is so easy. It is the easiest way to look fake busy. It requires no real amount of selflessness, time, or sacrifice. Okay, building strong black family, that now that's real work. I'm not voting on the system. I'm keeping myself and my children out of the system. I would much rather invest in Africa as opposed to investing here. This is not the only place that we can invest in. So me refusing to vote, talking about I have a small business and you should care. I don't care about this. This is not the only place I can build. I can build other places. I can build in Africa where my what I build on is tax free. Y'all so indoctrinated like, oh, we just are going to massa is going to give us a tax break. Uh, do you know you can build where there are no taxes? I don't give a damn about massa's tax break. It's not my only option. It's not massa or die. Just because I don't speak on certain things or flex certain things does not mean it's not happening. And I am telling you, brothers and sisters, you can open businesses in Africa due to technology like FaceTiming, video chatting, email. You can run it like you're there and you don't have to actually physically be there. It's very possible. And guess what? You don't got to pay no taxes. Okay. Voting is easy. It's the easy way out. It's a cop out. It's getting old. Either put in the real work, put in the real sacrifice or die. How about that? Y'all talking about vote or die, sacrifice or die, work or die, be selfless or die. Make it bigger than just you and what you want because this is what we have trained ourselves to do because this is the only comeback that you can have when someone is spitting straight pure facts about your people and what is truly needed to empower us. Your only comeback for that can be, I don't care. I want to do me long as I get mine. If you do not want to build a strong black family, your only excuse as to why you will not is you just don't want to. And if that's it, live your truth, bro. Live your truth, sis. But stop faking. Y'all don't cuss your own people over this voting stuff. Yeah, you don't told your own people that their oppression is invalid over this voting stuff. So, um, that's, that's a conversation I wanted us to have. I just wanted us to get that out there on the table. Keep the same energy, people. There is one thing and one thing only that is going to be the empowerment and the foundation of empowerment, I should say, for black people across the world. And that is strong, healthy, loving, supportive black families, period. If you are not willing to omit the self-control and dedication it takes to build that, then baby, you are the problem. So let's talk growth because it's important to have these discussions because we can talk all day about changes we need to make and things that we need to do. But the reality is we also need to talk about, so what happens after you start growing? What happens after we start 
really learning, when we start really loving ourselves, loving our people, things are definitely going to change. Our, that would mean that our day-to-day life is going to change. The people in our lives will change. The way that we interact with the world changes. So let's talk growth. So we're in the age of information where a lot of us are waking up to truths. We're starting to recognize patterns. We are starting to realize what works, what doesn't work. We're starting to understand things, you know, as a whole. So as that happens, that will require adjustments in your real life. And I'll use my own life as an example. Um, uh, when it comes to the way that I wear my hair. I, you know, I, I, y'all know I'm very open and honest about everything. I tell y'all. There's no one that can tell on me because I'd be the first one to let you know I have not always been this woman. I am extremely proud of the woman that I am today. However, I have not always been this woman. It took me a long time to get here and it was extremely painful and strenuous, but I, I love it. Um, but I, I don't regret it at all. And I wouldn't have it any other way because it has allowed me to appreciate who I am now more than ever. So along with growth comes the tearing down of your ego. It, it, it comes saying, OK, this cannot be it. This cannot be right. This cannot be it. And, and, it, and, it, and it makes you have to completely erase the old you and rebuild. Um, so now you're rebuilding. So now let's say that you're finance you're um, Let's say that you are empowering yourself better financially. Let's say that you are um, experiencing levels of self-love and the way that you carry yourself and the way that you go about things. Okay, so all that's happening. Now you're becoming a better you. Um, the man, Let's say as a man, you're, you're becoming more in touch with your masculinity. Um, let's say as a woman, you're becoming more in touch with mastering your femininity. Let's say that thing, these things are going on. So, um, like I said, using myself for an example, I, and it's, it's in all type of things, even to the way you wear your hair. Um, there was a period of time in my life where I was that woman that would not leave the house without a wig, that would not leave the house Without a sewing. I was that woman who if my real hair was out, I'm leaving the house with a bonnet on too. Um, it took me time to grow. It took me time to truly understand what I was doing. Whose hair I had on my head. Why do I have this hair on my head? Why did I not think that I was beautiful um, without it, why did I feel as though I needed that wig or that weave to look complete? You know, how many black women do we have now that's like, oh, let me go put my wig on. Like, that's like the step of walking out the door. I used to be that woman. And when I was healing from that, I went through a withdrawals because the hair weave is an addiction. It's a it's an unhealthy addiction to cope with mental illness. Um, which is the mental illness of the attack on our beauty and our standard of beauty as black women. Detoxing from weaves was physically painful for me. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Now that I don't wear weaves anymore, even if I throw on some braids or a ponytail, I can't wear the style for long because it's too heavy for my head now. 
And it's going to sound so crazy to y'all, but I put this on my mama. And y'all know how I feel about my mama. <laughs> okay? Um, when I stopped wearing weaves, my I was so used to the weight. And you don't think that a few bundles in your head weighs that much. Like, you don't think that, you know, a few bundles is going to make that much of a difference. But when I stopped wearing the weaves and I, I cut my hair off and I, you know, just got rid of all the relaxed ends, my head hurt because I had become so used to the weight of the wig and the weave on my head that without it, I felt like I was missing a body part. And that is what black women miss when they take off the weave. They have gotten used to the weight of the weave on their heads. Without it, they literally feel as though something's missing. Subconsciously, it triggers in their brain, wait a second, the same amount of weight that I've become accustomed to is no longer there. And this is what creates the addiction to where I need the wig, I need the weave. And I know this sounds crazy, y'all, but I swear to you that's what it is. Because your body adjusts. Your, the human body is extremely adjustable. Um, let, let's never underestimate the power of that. I had to readjust to not having the weight of weave and wigs and braids on my head. And it took time. I felt naked for months. I felt naked. For months, I felt like something was missing. I felt like I looked incomplete. Okay? This was not... And it's crazy because now, with the growth, I think I would look silly with a wig on. Like, the only way I could see myself putting on, like, some straight hair or something is, like... You know, if I'm doing some modeling for someone or it's some kind of photo shoot or... But at this point in my life, I just can't even see myself. I think I would look silly. I think it would look like, well, why are you covering up this thick, beautiful hair to put a dead dog on your head? It just wouldn't even make any sense to me. And thank God for growth. Now, I'm giving different examples of different types of growth. Um... For a while, um, I don't want to say that I was single because I definitely had relationships going on. But since I had not mastered my femininity, I did not truly see the value in a good man. So, you know, people around me got used to me being a single girl. I not Not necessarily single, but, you know, just keeping it light. I had been very hurt by my first love, my son's father, and extremely traumatized. And I just was not interested in getting very close to someone like that again. Okay, so I, I then um, I then kicked religion. You know, I grew up in an extremely religious household. Um, so I kicked that. So that's another aspect of my life that I had to free myself from. Um I stopped dancing. Um, I don't know if y'all know. I don't know if y'all have how long you've been listeners of the show. But when I tell y'all I've been thugging all my life, I mean that. You know what I'm saying? Coming as a dancer, uh, an exotic dancer, coming from the trenches like, trenches like that and going from that 
to having so much love and respect for myself that that's not something I would I could ever even see. I don't even know how I ever did it. Growth. Now, we fast forward to me now. If you take all these things away that I changed about myself, I'm a different person. <laughs> I'm no longer the same person. I am a comp- I've been completely remodeled, baby. I've been renovated. So how does this affect the people around you, the people that you surround yourself with? When you start changing yourself for the better, how does that affect the people in your circle? It is inevitable that you will outgrow people in your circle as you change for the better. You can try to hold on and grab on for dear life and force it and make it work, but it will never truly work. Okay? <laughs> It'll never truly work. Um, so a part of your growing process, brothers and sisters, is not only going to be the willingness of letting people in your circle go, but it's going to be being okay with it. Being at peace with it is going to be a major part in this. Some people can't handle, and, and I think in our sweet little minds, we're thinking to ourselves, look at me, I'm doing better, I'm doing good. And sometimes we're so naive to think that everyone in our circle will be just as happy about that. But that's not the way that it works. And you don't want to be mad at them for it because it's understandable. You, this version of yourself you are today, this is not who they signed up for. Do y'all feel me right now? The version of you right now, this new, improved, better version of yourself, they didn't agree to this person. This was not in the contract. This was not in the job description. Okay, I signed up for a friendship with a broken person, with, for, with a broke person. I, I signed up for a relationship with a dusty person. I signed up for a relationship with a, a, a person that does not 100% love themselves. That's what I signed up for. That's what the people in your circle are saying subconsciously. Because we all have experienced that grow apart that happens when you grow. Sometimes you grow up and then you grow apart from the people in your life. We've all experienced this in some way or at some point in our life. At least I hope you have. But do you get mad at those people for it? No. Sometimes you can separate with love. Sometimes it's okay to say, hey, I'm going in a different direction right now. I love you. But if you're not able to make the adjustment to who I am now, then I love you. But we got to go our separate ways. Because refusing to do that can make you second guess yourself and drag you back to levels that you worked so hard to come up from. Life should constantly be a battle of doing better, of saying I was wrong about the way I did this or I was wrong about the way I thought about this. I need to change it. Changing that in a positive way, changing it for the better and being unapologetic about it. Baby, you got to love yourself so much to where you don't care who it offends. 
Okay. You, you have to be ready to love yourself to the point where you don't care who it makes upset, who it makes uncomfortable. Okay. Um, you just, you just can't care. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, uh, adjusting to better versions of people can be difficult, especially if the person that has to make the adjustment for you has not grown themselves. Okay, sometimes it can be very frustrating for someone to see your growth and they, they haven't they haven't uh, completed their growth yet. Now you're reminding them of how much they have not grown. And sometimes that can make somebody resent you. And that's okay as well. We still don't get mad at them. We still don't want to hurt them. We just accept that is what it is and we simply move forward. Y'all feel me, brothers and sisters? Like, tell me you're feeling me in any way, shape, or form. Okay, because it's very easy for us to advocate for growth and advocate for change. But who then advocates you when you're super lonely, but you're, but you're wonderful? Because that happens. Okay, uh, you heal yourself mentally. You love yourself. You grow. You get better. And then you feel extremely lonely. And as we take this journey, you know, of bettering ourselves and doing better, we need to prepare ourselves for what happens when you actually get start getting there. We need to make sure that it's not causing anger or resentment towards the people that you may have outgrown. And you can outgrow someone and still love them and you can still say, I love you. You know, the love, the love doesn't have to be outgrown. The love doesn't have to change. There are people that I've outgrown that I still love dearly and will always love. But just because you love someone does not mean you have to deal with them. Okay. It is okay to go back to the drawing board. It is okay to say, I messed up. I did this wrong. It is okay to grow. Do not concern yourself with whose feelings it hurts or who doesn't understand it. Okay. Um, Don't get so involved with the journey that you forget to prepare for what happens when you get to the destination. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I want to have that discussion because like I said, you know, we have all these talks about doing better, doing better, doing better. We need to talk about what happens once you do start doing better, what to expect. Okay, Um, so growing apart is necessary. Uh, I wanted to end the show on that note, uh, on that positive note. I wanted to put that energy out there because I just feel like I can't be the only one experiencing that. And I just want to let whoever is experiencing that to know you're not alone. It's just very normal, natural, and it's okay. Um, I want to thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of African and American. I will see you next week. And as always, peace, love, and black power. <laughs>